A presidential change of pace, the Israeli election, Xinjiang sanctions, and the EU's new vaccine restrictions. This is your TODR News Daily Briefing for Wednesday the 24th of March. In the first story of the Daily Briefing today, we discuss Joe Biden's approach to the role of president. Now, it's fair to say that we've covered President Trump a lot in the Daily Briefing, discussing his comments on social media, his approach to the November election, and even his potential role in the Capitol siege. We haven't, however, really discussed President Biden that much. At the end of the day, this comes down to their different approaches to politics. President Trump was loud and deliberately made controversial statements that will be picked up by the world's media. After all, someone breaking conventions and doing things differently is a lot more interesting to read about than someone who's just doing what's expected of them. But is this change of pace a positive thing? Is Biden's approach of tweeting once a day, rather than once every few moments, a sign of a more statesmanlike approach? Or does it give the electorate less of a window into the mind of the person leading them through one of the most difficult situations since World War II? Well, let's take a look a bit more at his wider communication strategy. Tomorrow, the 25th of March, will be the first time that President Biden holds an official press conference since taking office. This comes over two months after he was inaugurated. As CNN points out, every president in the last hundred years has held a press conference in a shorter time span than the current president, including his predecessor Donald Trump. In fact, the 15 presidents over the last hundred years all held press conferences within at least 33 days of taking office. As Janan Ganesh from the Financial Times points out, President Biden hasn't addressed Congress either. Both of these aversions to address the people whose job it is to hold him to account led Mr Ganesh to question how accountable the president really is, especially at a time when he's signing executive orders left, right and centre. But what do you think? Is Biden simply changing the pace and reforming the presidency to be less attention-grabbing and more focused on real policy? Or has he overcorrected to the point that he's now evading accountability? Let us know your thoughts in the comments below. In the second story today, we move to Israel to discuss their national election. President Benjamin Netanyahu has been at the helm of Israeli politics since 2009, meaning that he's led the country for more than 10 years. In that time, he's seen three US presidents, four French presidents and four UK prime minister. His grip on power though may be beginning to fade, with four elections held in the last two years due to the country being unable to form a majority government or an effective coalition. With 90% of the votes counted in this latest vote, Mr Netanyahu has 59 seats, too short of achieving a majority. This means that he can either run as a minority government or he can try and form a coalition. The big question at the moment is, with who? In a twist that few saw coming, Ram, an Arab party, is projected to win five seats. Who they side with is as yet unknown. They could side with Netanyahu, giving them a joint majority. Or they could side with the opposition parties, who together have 56 seats. They might be a relatively minor force in politics then, but they could swing this. And ultimately, they haven't stated their intention yet. Netanyahu isn't a natural ally of theirs, but forming a coalition with multiple other parties would be incredibly difficult to maintain. If they opt for neither of these options, then the fifth general election in two years could be just around the corner. It's important for us to note that Mr Netanyahu is also currently standing trial on corruption charges, something that opposition parties claim makes him unfit for office. 
ultimately, we'll have to keep an eye on this story and see exactly which parties take on the responsibility of governing Israel, and whether they're actually headed towards another election. We have a full video on this topic coming out on the TLDR Global channel very soon, so click the link in the description and subscribe over there for updates. In the third story of the daily briefing today, we move to China to discuss EU sanctions being placed on China over Xinjiang. In order to fully understand this situation, it's important to first understand what's happening to the Uyghur population in the Xinjiang region of China. We've made a video explaining this, which I'd encourage you to watch if you haven't already, it's linked in the description. Very, very simply though, the Chinese government has placed severe restrictions on the Uyghur people, and in some cases even detained them in so-called re-education camps. Because of this and other alleged crimes, the US has accused them of genocide. Others have accused them of trying to eradicate the entirety of Uyghur culture. So on Monday, Western governments placed sanctions on Chinese officials in a show of solidarity against the human rights abuses. The US, EU, UK and Canada all froze assets and introduced a travel ban on four individuals and organisations that were accused with human rights abuses against the Uyghur people. This is the first time since Tiananmen Square that Western governments have coordinated to punish the Chinese regime. The question is whether these sanctions will be enough, whether they will actually impact China, and if they'll have a profound impact on the relationship between China and the West. In our final story today, we move to the European Union to discuss vaccine sanctions. We've covered the disagreement between the UK and EU over vaccine exports quite comprehensively over the last few days. What we haven't discussed yet is the new policy proposed by the EU to punish countries that don't export vaccines to them. Okay, so it's important to actually firstly understand what this ban does. It would only apply to countries that either import from the EU or who have blocked the export of vaccines to the EU, or countries that want to block EU access to the raw materials needed to produce vaccines. The proposed law states that such countries pose a threat to the security of supply of vaccines to the EU. Additionally, the law asks EU member states to consider how far other countries are through their vaccination programme before allowing manufacturers to export vaccines there. This law is a clear attempt by the EU to ensure that the vaccines produced within their own borders are jabbed into the arms of EU citizens. After all, the EU's vaccine rollout has been less than ideal so far. While some countries, such as the UK, have managed to give more than 50% of their adult population the first dose of the vaccine, the EU as a whole has achieved a figure of only 11.3%. Bearing these two statistics in mind, it's not unreasonable to expect that the EU would use this new proposal to block AstraZeneca from sending vaccines to the UK, in turn potentially slowing down the UK's vaccine rollout plan. Prime Minister Boris Johnson has come across optimistic in interviews though, suggesting that he doesn't believe that the EU will actually block vaccines going to the UK. I'm reassured by talking to EU partners over the last few months that they don't want to see uh, blockades. I think that's very, very important. Uh, but uh, clearly the, what matters to, the, to us in the UK is we get on with the, the rollout of the, of the vaccine programme. I think we've now done over half the adults in the, in the country, which is, uh, which is you know, very, very good news. Uh, and uh, we're on course to, to do the, uh, everybody in priority groups one to four, they've been, they've been done, but uh, the groups one to nine, uh, all the over 50s by April the 15th, and then we'll just bash on with the, 
the roadmap that we've set out. But what do you think? Will the EU block vaccines from the UK? And if they do, is it the right move? Let us know your thoughts in the comments below. For those of you who think the news is too long, be sure to check out tomorrow's daily briefing. Read the newsletter by signing up at tldrnews.co.uk forward slash daily. Listen to the briefing by searching for TLDR News in your podcast app or watch the briefing over at youtube.com forward slash TLDR daily.